0: Welcome back to another episode of Next Gen Athletics, a podcast all about college sports. In today's show, we break down some of the games we talked about last week, as well as highlighting some really exciting games for this upcoming weekend. Then, we have an unbelievable interview with Matt Giglio, host of the Road to Madness podcast. Now, ladies and gentlemen, let's kick the tires and light the fires. This is Next Gen Athletics, with your hosts, Trotter Scarce and Thomas Woods. Yes, sir. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of Next Gen Athletics. As always, I'm your host, Trotter Scares, and as always, I'm joined by my wonderful co-host, Thomas Woods. Thomas, how you doing, bud?
1: Pretty good. Uh, it's been a busy week. Had two exams earlier today. But, you know, it's school, you got to do what you got to do. Um, I did have a good weekend, though. Got to go out and watch Clemson baseball team. I'm a big baseball guy. I love watching that. Um, and, you know, since we are a national podcast, we cover every every college out there. Um, I just got to shout out Binghamton's left fielder, um, Tommy Reifler. So at, at Doug Kingsmore Stadium at Clemson, uh, the student section is right behind the left field. So opposing teams left fielders are gonna hear it all game. They're gonna get all the trash talk in the world. People talking about his last year stats, like bring up his his mom's name, his girlfriend's name, like everything everything you can imagine. And this guy shut us up repeatedly. Dude had, he went back to back days on SC top ten. He robbed a home run opening day. And then uh, on the second game, he had a diving catch in left field, just shuts up the whole student section. And he batted seven hundred for the series. Batted, batted wow. seven hundred ten for the series. Um, this is a guy that was getting made fun of relentlessly by myself included, and he repeatedly shut us up. So um, Tommy Rifler, left fielder, Binghamton. Watch out for him. He's something special. Name
0: to remember. An all names contender as well. Rifler. That's a yeah. Rifler. That's a name, especially for a baseball player. Yeah. it is. Okay. Hey, game recognizes game here at the college podcast. uh, yeah, it's been an exciting week here in Columbia as well. um, I thought about going to the Alabama game last night. I got tickets and everything, and then seven o'clock rolled around, and I just gosh, I had some homework to do. I wish I had gone. It actually turned out to be a pretty good game. I kind of had a feeling we would keep it close. We're playing c- pretty good basketball here in South Carolina right now. I wish we'd figured this out in December, but that's all right we'll we'll take what we got um so. Almost beat them. It was close. Lost in overtime, seventy-eight to seventy-six to the number two ranked Alabama Crimson Tide. Which, on the topic of the Crimson Tide, um, we're not gonna cover it very much because innocent until proven guilty. But Brandon Miller, that's a that's an interesting situation going on out there in Tuscaloosa.
1: Yeah, very interesting for a guy that's like so high profile. He's he's very good at basketball. I watched some of that game last night. Um, I actually thought Tuscaloosa was gonna play well as well, and I just thought they were gonna win it, but. We went to overtime. It was a good game. But yeah, Miller, Um, he is a dog on the court. And, you know, he's got some stuff going on off the court. That's a little bit interesting. But I've seen that NBA scouts aren't too worried about it. So maybe we shouldn't be either.
0: I mean, I hope not. You never hope anything like that on the guy. But if that's true, I mean, that's not that NBA scouts won't even have to worry about it because they won't ever see him again. Um yeah. If you don't know about it, do your own research. We're not going to like I said, innocent until proven guilty. We're not going to do that here on this podcast, but uh, very very interesting situation developing down in Tuscaloosa um at the absolute worst time in the season. Um we covered some games last week. Once again, did a pretty good job picking games. We started the week in the Big 12. We stayed in it pretty much all week except for one. But number 19 Iowa State was on the road at number 12 Kansas State. And lost to the Wildcats 61-55. to You know, last week on the show, we both agreed that we thought it would be a really, really close game. We both agreed that these were two really, really evenly matched teams. And down the stretch, that kind of came true, right? This was uh, a very back-and-forth game. It was really, really close. Iowa State was actually leading by eight at the half. Um, so, So, you know, Kansas State had that hill to climb, and they climbed it. And they used it as momentum. Um, and the, the Jayhawks, or excuse me, the Wildcats are now uh, tied for third in the Big 12 when a week ago we were worried that they could lose a couple games in a row and be uh, maybe not a bubble team, but but definitely a lesser seed. So, a, a very, very big win to rebound for the Wildcats.
1: Yeah, and I'll be honest, I'm actually really shocked at how this game turned out. I mean, Iowa State, a team that's predicated on their defensive ability, um, had a decent lead going into the half, um, and they just kind of fell apart defensively. In the second half, and um, that's not really what you expect to see from them. So, uh, hats off to Kansas State for battling back and a against a, a tough team. It's it's tough to score on Iowa State, and so um, really, hats off to Kansas State. It's a really good win for them.
0: Yeah, and and you know you talk about Iowa State, and we mentioned it just a couple minutes ago off the air about how sometimes the problem with these really, really defensive teams is that they don't always have the best offense in the country. And I think you saw that today. You know, Kansas State only got to 61. That's not necessarily a high score by any means. But when you can't put up more than 60 points, you're not going to win many games, especially not on the road. So this is something that, you know, we kind of preached a little while ago that we thought Iowa State could potentially be a problem because of their offense, just kind of the – the, not the inconsistency of scoring, but just, you know, there, when you've got so many scores that can score, sometimes they rely on each other. And and so sometimes that can always, um, that can always, you know, result in a game like this where you don't put up the most points and and you blow a lead like you did. But if you look at kind of how Kansas clawed back into this game, it it was just in short spurts, you know, when you, when you kind of look at it, they they started the second half extremely hot, came roaring back on the Cyclones, made it 34 to 34 at one point. And from then on, they just didn't look back, just started to really kind of pull away, hitting shots when the Cyclones didn't. The Cyclones would go on long stretch periods where they didn't score much. And so, you know, like we said, this was a, a Kansas State team that needed to get a win. They were really, really struggling. And so they got one at, at the most opportune time going into that Baylor game that we'll cover here in just a couple minutes as well.
1: Yeah, for sure. Just definitely a really good win for them. And I think it really comes down to the fact that Iowa State just shot extremely poorly from every aspect. Um, they got outshot in each percentage and, and field goal, three-point, and free throw. And it's actually kind of weird. they They had 18 offensive rebounds. So that's a lot of second chance points they they, they missed out on there. They they out rebounded uh, Kansas State forty one to thirty two. So a lot of times whenever you see a, a rebound discrepancy that wide, the team with the bigger margin and, and has more rebounds is going to win that game. So Iowa State just couldn't capitalize on on getting second chance points, and that's really kind of the story of this game, in my opinion.
0: Yeah, and to branch off of that, I think another stat that kind of stands out is the fact that you know. We always think of Iowa State as this really tough, hard-nosed defensive team, but they actually turned the ball over more times than Kansas State in this game, which really got the Wildcats going down the stretch. It's really kind of what gave them that, that opportunity to come back on the Cyclones. And so, you know, this is something that Kansas State needs to hold on to. They need to hold on to this win and the win they got over Baylor that we'll talk about here in a few minutes and, and take advantage of the fact that they got a little momentum going into the end of the regular season here. Um, because like like we posted on the Twitter, this is the best team in the conference in the Big 12. They've got more quad one wins than any other team in the country as far as a conference goes. Um, and so any momentum at this point in the season that could get you a couple wins could be the difference in a three seed and a seven seed um, in the national tournament or if you even make the national tournament. Um, so so kudos to this this Wildcats team for really just kind of stepping up and proving a lot of people wrong. For sure. Moving into our next game, staying on Saturday, a game that I thought personally was going to be a little bit closer. Number nine, Baylor was on the road at number five, Kansas, and Kansas walked out of their home building with a W 87 to 71 over the Baylor bears.
1: Yeah. And this is just what we've kind of expected from Kansas. Whenever they have multiple people scoring the ball, well, they are, kind of impossible to stop in my opinion once once this team has multiple guys that are feeling it on any given night they can win they can beat anybody in the country I really do think that's the case and um yeah just a host of um Jayhawks were scoring in this one they had four guys over in double digits and a a fifth guy with with nine points and Jalen Wilson their leader led them in scoring and then he didn't have to do it all by himself and that's that's kind of the story of this game for them they really are. We've talked about this team before and how good their offense can be. They can score 100 points on any given night. And uh, they kind of showed that in this one, winning so handedly against a really good Baylor team.
0: Yeah, if you're a Kansas fan, you're you're thanking God that finally, finally everybody had a good shooting night. And honestly, they really didn't do well from three as well. So, you know, when, when you look at it, you know, you got Jalen Wilson went, 0 oh for 5, Grady Dick went 2 for 9. So some of your your more prolific scores kind of really struggled from the three-point line. So I think that even though they scored 87 points, they probably should have got to triple digits. Cause, you know, if you shoot better than 28.6% from three, um, you do probably get to that triple digit mark in regulation, which is an unbelievable feat for college basketball. You know, it, it used to be unheard of. And, and you know, as the game's gotten more and more offensive and there's more and more emphasis on scoring points and scoring quickly, um it's not nearly as unheard of, but still in a forty minute game, it can be very, very, very difficult to get to that triple digit mark. So this is a Kansas team that, like we just kind of mentioned for got- Kansas State, is getting going. they're They're finally um, you know, really, really getting hot. And uh, I think that like Kansas State, it, it could not come at a more opportune time for the Jayhawks. Um, like we mentioned, they've got not a relatively – well, let me put it this way. They've got a relatively easy end to the year. Um, they they did take care of business on the road against TCU in a win 63-58 to on Monday. We didn't cover that game, but it is worth mentioning uh, TCU uh, finally has Mike Miles back. So they are um, going to probably be playing a little better, be scoring a little better, um, and be a little more consistent down the stretch. But Kansas has – West Virginia at home, Texas Tech at home before finishing the year on the road at Texas. So, you know, you've got to get these next two to feel really, really, really good about that Texas game. But I think if you get all three, I mean, golly, I wouldn't be picking anybody in the country to win except for Kansas, um, regardless of how they do in the Big 12 tournament, just because I think that this is a Kansas team that has proven now they are elite. They are a, a very prolific scoring offense, and it's going to be exciting to see how they finish the year.
1: Yeah, and I, I didn't even notice this. Um I, I really, when I checked the score of this game, it was kind of too late for me to, to tune into it. Kansas had a big enough lead, but um at one point in the first half, Baylor was up 15. Um Kansas was down 45 to 32 at halftime, down 13 going into the half, and they scored 55 points in the second half and really just dominated. They won the second half by 29 points. So they they really dominated um, Baylor in the second half in this game. And it's it's amazing to see how good this offense can be at full potential. They put up 55 in the second half. Um, Iowa State, who we were just talking about, had 55 in the entire game. So this is an offense that is genuinely one of the best in the country. Um, you don't want to catch them right now. They are, but like we're saying, one of the hottest teams in the country. Um, and obviously it's college basketball. Anything can happen on any given night. But at this point, I definitely have to agree with you. This team is one that you don't want to be facing right now.
0: Yeah, and, and you know, you've got a feel for this Baylor team. We'll get into this next game now. But Baylor then dropped their next game to Kansas State, 65-75. to 75. Um, You know, you've got to wonder how much of that was on the Kansas game. You know, you like you just mentioned, you went up to a, a pretty hefty lead there. Um, Kansas comes rolling back and rolling back. They did. They scored 55 on you in the second half. So, you know, you've got to kind of wonder how much that affected this one. But like we mentioned, Kansas State's rolling. Baylor kind of now is is sliding, and they've got a really, really tough game this upcoming weekend that we'll talk about. Kind of what are your thoughts on, on exactly how this game played out on Tuesday night?
1: Yeah, it's similar. It's not the same as the Kansas game, but it's similar where second half they just got outplayed. And that seems to me more like a stamina issue, a fatigue kind of thing. The season's been wearing on for a while now, and Baylor's got a tough, tough schedule in the Big 12. So I would assume, I don't know how the teams are handled for Baylor, but I would assume they played at Kansas and then at Kansas State like a three day apart kind of thing. They probably stayed in the hotel the whole time. They probably didn't go all the way back to Baylor. So they're definitely not sleeping they're not sleeping in their bed. You know, they're in a hotel trying to do classes on the road and all that kind of stuff. It's, it's gotta be difficult. So this team really, I think this game goes more to the fact that um, they're probably tired. Uh, This is a game where I think they can win. Um, I I do think Baylor is a really good team still. And um, I don't know. Yeah, I think both these games, you look at the second half and they got outscored pretty badly. And that's kind of what the difference in the game was. And I think at a certain point, you got to, point that to, to stamina and, and conditioning and all that kind of stuff it's getting late in the season these are games that I think earlier in the year they would have closed out at this point they're just getting tired
0: yeah and I think that you know tired legs breed poor shooting nights and, and so in the Kansas game you had George Cryer and Flagler who did pretty good um, both of them or all three of them were all in double digits um, I believe, if I remember right, Flagler and George had uh, over 20 points combined, or excuse me, together. And so, you know, when you've got those guys doing that, normally that that is really, really good. However, when the rest of the guys around you are really struggling to score, everybody else in that game, that Kansas game that I just mentioned, had a combined 16 points, I believe, if I remember correctly. Um, you can correct me if I'm wrong. So I think that Baylor needs to be careful going down, down here, down the stretch into the end of the regular season, because you don't want to just become one dimensional and and rely on just these couple guys who are all three guards. You do want to get the ball in the paint. You want to be able to make a presence down there and be able to, to kind of enforce your will down there as well. Um, Even if you've got such, such guys that are, that are really, really talented, like Keontae George, who, like we mentioned last week is a freshman, he's, he's destined for the NBA. Um, you know, but credit to Kansas state, like we said before, um, Keontae Johnson, I mean, the feel good story of the year, not only is it the feel good story of the year, but, but he's an absolute all around baller. Um, he had 25 points in this one on 11 for 17 shooting. He went two for four from the three and one for two from the free throw line. He also had one rebound and four assists. I mean, this is a, this is a guy that, you know, a a couple months ago and at about this time last year, didn't know if he was going to play college basketball again. And so to see a guy be able to put up numbers like he's putting up, um, he's their leading scorer at Kansas State on average. And, and you know, you've got to you got to be happy for him. you got to feel for um, his family. And I can only imagine how excited they are for him. And I know he'll be really, really excited to get the opportunity to get back into the tournament and play in March and be able to prove to, not just himself and and the rest of his family and his coaching staff and his teammates, but the country that he is a hundred percent and that he is destined for the NBA.
1: Yeah. He's a guy that you just can't not cheer for. I feel like you have to cheer for this guy. The story is incredible. Um, he's a great basketball player. So um, he's definitely been somebody that it's just been fun to watch him and his team succeed um, props to Kansas state for giving him a chance to, to go prove his talents were still there and that his health was, was where it needs to be. So, um, I definitely agree with what you're saying. I, I really hope that he succeeds um, well past this season. But yeah, this, this year, he's definitely one of the premier players in college basketball. So a great story all around for him.
0: And staying on the trail of Kansas State, Kansas State has a, has a relatively difficult end of the year, but for a different reason than I think a lot of people will, will think looking at their schedule. They've got to go to a very, very difficult Oklahoma State team that has beaten some ranked opponents at home so far this year. That's definitely not a game they're going to be able to overlook and just kind of get past. They then host Oklahoma, another team that has just kind of been a thorn in the side. You look at at Oklahoma and they beat an Alabama a team that's ranked number two in the country by 30 points at home. Um, so luckily the the Wildcats will be glad that, that they'll be in Manhattan for that one. And then finally they finish the year on the road at West Virginia. Once again, a West Virginia team that's beaten some really, really good teams. Um, they took care of business against Auburn in that sec big 12 challenge. So this is a, a really, really kind of difficult end of the year for the Wildcats, but more because they're on the road and less because they're playing really, really good teams.
1: Yeah. And we talked about it multiple times now, but it's always hard to win on the road, especially in the conference as good as the big 12 is. So um I mean, hopefully for for their sake, they can they can pull these games out and get some wins. But I mean, Oklahoma's already beaten them once this year, so that's not that's not a pushover by any means. And um, I mean, Oklahoma State and and West Virginia are good teams at home, as most teams are. So um, they gotta they gotta make sure they don't lose focus and start looking ahead to the conference tournament. They gotta win these last three games, make sure their seating's good going into that tournament.
0: It is definitely crunch time in college basketball. For sure. And especially for these teams in the big 12, like we mentioned, this is just such a complete conference from top to bottom. I think I saw something that they could get like seven, maybe even eight teams in their conference in, um, which is just, I mean, that's ridiculous. That's almost unheard of for, you know, they're not the biggest conference in the world either. So to have more than half of your teams get in the tournament is a very, very impressive stat, but we'll move out of the big 12. We'll leave them alone for right now. We'll come back to them in a couple minutes. Um, but we're going to move to the SEC, where number ten Tennessee fell on the road to what was then number twenty five Texas A and M by a final score of sixty eight to sixty three. I thought it was kind of maybe funny off the air. We mentioned that you know uh, you you had picked Tennessee to win this game, but you also picked Kentucky to win them, so you were kind of both right and wrong. So you know that's kind of just a funny ha ha moment. But this was a game where I think Texas A&M finally got the opportunity to prove to the rest of the country how good they really are. You know, I, I said on the podcast last week that I that I had the opportunity to watch this Aggie team come to Columbia and play the Gamecocks, and they're just a really, really complete team. They're a very, very athletic team, and you saw that on full display on Tuesday night.
1: Yeah, for sure. They um, they're kind of just studied the whole game. It's like the moment never got too big for them. Um, they they didn't really go through long spells or they couldn't score the basketball, which is always impressive against a really good defensive team like Tennessee. And, um, they started off slow, took, took them about, um, four, three and a half minutes to score, uh, at first, but once they got going, they, they stayed pretty consistent throughout the game. Um, and then, you know, once they got the lead, they held on to it, which is, like I said, always tough to do against a really good team like Tennessee. Um, but for, for Tennessee side of things, man, it's scary hours for them, man. It's, it's looking bad. Um. They're, they're really struggling right now, and I, I'm worried for them.
0: It's okay. They played South Carolina this weekend at home, so they'll be able to rebound pretty easily. Um, <laughs> and only I can say that. Just want to put that out there. Um, but if you kind of look at how this game broke down, I think the big thing that really stands out to me is not necessarily the field goal percentage, or excuse me, the free throw percentage, but the amount of free throws. Tennessee went 10 for 14 from the line for 71%, but Texas A&M went 28 for 34 from the line for 82%. So, I mean, not only did they shoot 20 more free throws than Texas a- or excuse me, than Tennessee, but they had 18 more points off of those free throws. So, anytime you're going to do that in a game, anytime you get 18 more points from the free throw line, you're going to win the game. And so I think that that's kind of a big thing that stands out in this game is just foul trouble for Uh, Tennessee. And I think that that stands to the fact that Texas A&M is just such a complete athletic team that it's just hard to guard them. And so you're giving them these easy buckets because, you know, they're going up for a layup and you've just got to foul them because you don't want them to get the easy two. So you're going to make them earn it from the line. And then all of a sudden they come on the PA system and say you fouled out. So, you know, it's going to be just kind of a mismatch problem for teams facing Texas A&M. You know, you look at last year's SEC tournament, that's kind of how they got all the way to that final game. Whereas nobody could guard them and they were playing really, really well. They were playing really, really hot basketball. And, you know, ultimately they were just short of getting into the national tournament, thanks to the Hokies getting a win in the ACC championship. Um, But I I think that those problems for opponents facing the Aggies have really kind of been on full display so far all year.
1: Yeah. And uh, I mean, just to add on to the, the free throw discrepancy, um, Wade Taylor, the fourth, had 16 of 17 free throws himself. So he shot more and made more free throws than Tennessee's entire team did. And, you know, sometimes you look at that and say, well, maybe the refs were just really helping out AM. But I think this is more along the lines of AM being more aggressive. Um, to get foul calls, you have to be in the paint most of the time. And so for a, a, an athletic high flying team like AM, where, where you're just, you know, nose down, just go into the basket. You're going to draw fouls, and in this game, um, despite Tennessee being a really, really good uh, defensive team, they couldn't avoid fouling, and so a lot of guys in foul trouble. They had to. I mean, they have guys on the bench with three with three fouls, which is never a good sign. Um, had a guy foul out. Other guys, like they they had five players. Um, no, sorry, six players with three or more fouls. Um, that's you can't have that and expect to win games especially whenever a lot of those fouls are shooting fouls so um hats off to to am for for really being aggressive and holding that identity
0: yeah and, and to your your point about way Taylor making all these uh free throws if you look at the actual like play by play on the ESPN app you can see that from the 12 minute mark almost to the end of the game I'm not seeing too many times that Wade Taylor is scoring points without it being a a free throw. So, you know, that takes a lot of that. That's a really hard thing to do. I I think that's kind of an under um, appreciated skill is the fact that he was able to hit 16 of 17 free throws. I mean, especially in college when you know you don't have hours on hours to just stand there at the free throw line and shoot free throws like you do at it in NBA practices. So to, to be able to do that, and I know it was at his home floor and maybe that number was just a little skewed cause of it, but still a, a very, very impressive thing. And it, it definitely, um, deserves to be noticed.
1: Yeah. And uh, like you're saying, man, um, it's, it's a skill to get fouled like that and, and be able to go to the line and make the free throws. But whenever you're getting fouled that often, you're taking a toll on your body. So, I mean, that, that's a tough way to play and, um, He was able to do it for the entire game. So hats off to him. Hats off to that team. Just a really good win all around. And on the other side, Tennessee's got to get things turned around immediately.
0: If you look ahead to both of these teams' schedules, uh, each team has three games remaining. Texas A&M will be on the road in the state of Mississippi, taking on Mississippi State and Ole Miss before finishing the year at home against number two, Alabama. But on the flip side flip side for Tennessee like i mentioned they've got the gamecocks at home this saturday before hosting the arkansas razorbacks and finishing the year on the road at auburn so neither of these teams have a super super difficult end of the year i think that they'll both be able to win at least two of the three remaining games um you know and if you're tennessee this, these two games could not come at a at a better time obviously you know the gamecocks are playing better we mentioned it earlier but they're still not playing Super, super great basketball. They're still losing games. And uh, this is a Tennessee team that almost uh, put up 50 more points in the Gamecocks earlier this year here in Columbia. So they'll be, they'll feel pretty confident about getting past them. And I, I do believe they'll probably get past the Gamecocks uh, with ease. So, you know, both of these teams continuing to look like threats coming down the wire here. All the teams we mentioned are coming down to the ends of their year. Um, and with the exception of a few, they all look like pretty hot contenders.
1: Yeah, um, I I will say this, though. I kind of disagree with you on Tennessee's schedule. Um, South Carolina should be uh, a win, but the way the Gamecocks are playing right now, um, they're not a pushover by any means. We saw that last night. So uh, that that's, a, that's not a gimme game. It should be, but, I mean, with Tennessee right now, who knows? Um, and then Arkansas is a really good team. I think they're pretty underrated in the SEC. It's a home game for them, which bodes well for them, but it's not – Arkansas is a good team. They've lost to worse teams this year. They lost to the Vanderbilt earlier in the year. They're sitting a team that um, necessarily plays amazingly against bad teams. And then they have Auburn to finish off the year on the road. And Auburn, for a fact, wants to get back after that last game they had against each other. A 3.1 for Tennessee in that one where it was really low scoring. Auburn probably feels like they got slighted in that one. And I think Auburn um, definitely has a good chance of winning that one. So I'd be... I'd be more surprised if Tennessee wins two of these games than if they lose two of these games, which sounds so weird to say, because Tennessee is still a really good team. But the way they're playing currently, they're in a scary situation in their season. And I'd be, I wouldn't be—I would be shocked to see um, them
0: drop two of these last three games of the regular season. Let it be known, Clemson fan Thomas Wood said the game are going to win on Saturday. Just <laughs> let <laughs> that be known. Full blast. Um, no, I mean, you're right. This is – either way – Both of these teams are going to have a really, really exciting end to the year. Getting into our next set of games for this upcoming weekend. Uh, Like we mentioned before, we're going to go to two episodes a week. So Thomas and I are going to cover games um, in between the time we're recording this. So Friday and Saturday and the time we record the next one, which will be Sunday afternoon and the podcast will drop on Monday. Um, But I think the biggest game all weekend, number eight, Texas is on the road at number nine, Baylor. Like we mentioned before, this is a Baylor team that's now dropped two games in a row. Uh, we had mentioned last week that we thought they were the hottest teams in the country. And, you know, now that Baylor's kind of dropped those games, are are you still as confident on the Bears as, as you once were?
1: Yeah, I actually am. Um, sometimes I look at these these games or these little spurts where teams are losing games, and I kind of think maybe they've lost that edge that they had at one point. And then with this team, I don't necessarily feel that way. Um, I think those games came at a bad time. It's never fun to play um, on the road at Kansas and Kansas state in back to back games. Um, and, and like I said earlier, man, I think their problem was more so they were just tired than they were getting outplayed. They, they really played well in the first half, of both those games. And then the second half kind of fell apart. So I think this game for them um, really is important to see how they play in the second half of this game. First half, can go in any any direction and i'm more concerned with what happens in the second half if if they're still playing well um, you know when there's 10 minutes left in the game 5 minutes left in the game and they're not looking too gassed then i'll i'll think that maybe they're still a really good team i'm i'm not sold on them being um, in a skid right now i think in this is one of the few conferences where you can lose two games in a row and not be in a skid um, now if they lose this one to texas different different conversation we're having
0: yeah, I, I got to agree. You know, we say all the time in this podcast that it's just so hard to win on the road in college basketball that I think going to Kansas and Kansas State and losing is not a bad loss. I don't think anybody in the country would argue that those are bad losses, uh, especially with how good the Jayhawks and the Wildcats are this year. But if you're Baylor, and like we mentioned, you got to be careful because if you do start to lose a couple more games here especially to this this really, really talented Texas Longhorns team. Uh, I think that, you know, this could snowball, and, and this is not the time of year you want it to snowball. Um, but you've got to look at guys like Keontae George and Flagler and Cryer, like we've always mentioned with this Baylor Bears team, and they've got to continue to score consistently. And then I think they've got to, they've got to get a little more help. You know, we mentioned that those guys have really been their go-to guys. But then you've got guys like Jalen Bridges, Jonathan Lord, help me with his last name, who are their are forwards in their centers, but they're not scoring points like they need to be scoring. And you know, in the, in the tournament, it can be difficult to be a forward and a center in in the sense that you can kind of block those guys out easier. You know, maybe not Zach Eady because he's seven foot one hundred and twenty, and you just can't get to him. But I I think that these guys need to step up. In, in a pretty big way to finish the year to just kind of give them a paint presence, because that's just something they've lacked in these last couple games against Kansas and Kansas state.
1: I definitely agree. And this is, this is a game that, you know, this stretch for them comes out of terrible time uh, the end of the season playing three top 15 opponents back to back to back. So this, this stretch doesn't define them as much well as some of the stretches we've seen earlier in the year. And I like what you're saying there. Definitely need to get more paint presence. I think that's really important for any college basketball team to be able to do something in the paint. And so I think this is a game for them where they really just need to have a complete game. Um, they need to come out strong and, then, and they need to finish strong as well. They had not done that in the last two games, which is always hard to do on the road. And like I said earlier, you know, maybe they're in a hotel room. They're not sleeping as well. All that stuff plays, in, plays into effect. And and so I think Baylor's still a really good team. I'm not too concerned with those two losses just because of the way those games played out. And so in this game, I, I'm leaning towards taking the home team. I, I like Baylor to bounce back here. Um, They had a good game earlier in the year when they played, and so I think this is one where um, I, I think the home team gets the win here.
0: You know, I think that that's always a safe pick. That's always a smart pick. However, I think this Texas team is really, really good. And here's why. I know that they let teams score a lot of points, but I think in a a game against a team like Baylor, that's not necessarily what you're concerned with. Because like I just mentioned, they really struggle in the paint. Their big men aren't necessarily scorers. And so if you're Texas, you feel pretty confident that you're going to be able to put up your season average of 79 points. And they're a pretty solid defensive team. They only allow teams to score about 68 points. Which is actually the same as Baylor, or excuse me, it's actually one point better than Baylor because Baylor actually allows sixty nine point nine points. Um, but I just I think that Texas's offense, like we mentioned for Alabama last week against Tennessee, and even though the Alabama Tennessee game didn't go the way we thought it would, I, I still think that that was just an anomaly, especially after how we've seen uh, Tennessee respond to that win and and dropping games against Texas A and M and Kentucky. I think that Texas's offense is going to be too much. I, I think scores like Carr and some of these other um, really, really athletic, really, really good guards that they have, um, I, I think that's going to be too much for the Bears, and I, I think the Longhorns are going to get the win on the road on Saturday.
1: Yeah, and I, I can't like say that's a bad take. It, with the Big 12 and all these good teams, it's never um, easy to say who's going to win, and I, I think Texas is a really good team. I just think Baylor on Saturday is better um, at home. I'm more confident in them now that they've had a few days of rest. The last game was on Tuesday. Uh, they're back in their own beds. They're feeling good at home. I, I like Baylor just to to come out more confident and uh, get the best of the Longhorns in this one.
0: Either way, I think we could both agree that it's going to be a really, really, really competitive game. It's going to be a really, really um, close game. You know, you've got a team in Texas who's got a win streak of two. You've got a team in Baylor who's got a losing streak of two. One way or another – Something is going to change. I think that just personally, I think the win streak continues. I'm really, really high on this Texas team going into that that absolute thriller at the very end of the year against Kansas. Um, but you can catch that game at 2 o'clock on Saturday on ESPN. Um, you're definitely going to want to tune in. Definitely going to be a pretty rocking crowd out there in Waco, and I know the folks out there are going to be really, really excited for that. We're going to get into a rematch. That's right. You heard it here. Number 17, Indiana is on the road at number five, Purdue. A Purdue team that has actually lost three of their last five games, something that coming into that Indiana game, you and I said was not going to happen. So what exactly has gone wrong for the Boilermakers as of late? Um,
1: I think – They're not getting enough scores. Uh, They've been reliant on Zach Eadie too much, which is kind of easy to do whenever you've got a guy as talented, as uh, dominant as he is. You can rely on him a little bit too much at times. I think that's been the case recently Um, since that Indiana game, they've they've gone two and two um, with back-to-back losses to Northwestern and Maryland. And this is just a a big 10 that's kind of down this year. They're not as good as they have been in years past. And so these losses aren't looking too good. I'm, I'm kind of worried about where Purdue stands right now. Um, I I think they're too reliant on their big man. And when you don't have enough scorers surrounding him, I think that can become a problem, especially um, down the stretch into March. You can't rely on one guy to get two buckets. It's got to be a host of guys, two, three, four guys that are able to score for you. And, And right now, Purdue doesn't have that.
0: Yeah, and I think it's interesting that they they went from being this really, really dominant team that could shoot the three ball well, they could get the ball inside to Edie, and if some way, somehow, they could get uh, get him kind of outside of his range, get him outside of his comfort zone, they could just kick it out and hit the three, and I think that that's something that they've kind of gotten away from, that they, they've gotten away from the ball movement that that had made them so prolific, had made them so dominant in so many games Um, I think they've really, really got to get back to that. Now, some of these games have been pretty tough. If you look at all three of those games we're talking about right now, at Indiana, at Northwestern, and at Maryland, well, what do all those games have in common? They're on the road. I think that playing on the road for Purdue is just a really, really tough thing to do. And it's a really, really tough thing for all teams in college basketball to do. We've seen so many teams this year just really, really struggle on the road. And so I think that this game being at home for Purdue is going to be a game changer. I think that they're going to feel a lot more comfortable. Um, They were able to get a pretty, pretty dominant win over Ohio State just a couple days ago. So they're going to be probably feeding off that. They're going to be relying on that home crowd to um, just kind of back them and give them some confidence down the stretch. Because I think this is going to be a close game. This is a good Indiana team that, um, you know, lost on the road to Michigan State. Um, but, you know, I think that that was almost more something where the the sports gods, the, the powers that be were just kind of, you know, Michigan State needed it after the horrific events that had happened there in the last couple of days. So, you know, I think that that was a Michigan State team that had all of the help in the world coming to them. Everybody on, on planet Earth was rooting for Michigan State in that game. And uh, I think that that was more of just kind of a freak accident than anything. Um, so, you know, I I think I'm going to roll with Purdue. Um, I I know I picked Indiana last time, but I think I'm going to pick Purdue this time and I'm going to be bold. And I, I'm going to say by double digits. Um, I think this is a really, really good Purdue team. And uh, I think at home they're going to be almost unstoppable. Um,
1: yeah, that's not a bad take for sure, but I, I think I have to disagree with you. Um, even in this win against Ohio state, we, we see stretches where Purdue can't score the ball um they had a lot of points he scored 82 in that one um but it came in spurts and I, I think to be a good team you can't you can't have stretches of, of two minutes minute and a half three minutes where you don't score the ball and that happened you know periodically throughout a game and, and a lot of their losses it was because they weren't able to to consistently score the basketball you, you see you see stretches where they go four or five minutes without scoring and when you're playing on the road it's always going to be um, haunt you. That's going to come back to bite you. And that, that's kind of why they lost those games to Northwestern and um, Indiana and Maryland. And I think in this game, even though they're at home, um, they, they might have a, a few stretches where they aren't able to score the ball. Um, maybe they go two or three minutes out scoring. And I think Indiana is a good enough team to capitalize in those moments. So I like Indiana in this one, uh, which is funny. We switched our picks from last time, uh, but more so just because of of the um, stretches they go through. Purdue still hasn't shown me recently that they can score the ball consistently throughout the entire game. Um, And and so I'm worried that any any mishaps that they have, any times that they slow up on the offensive end, that Indiana is going to capitalize on that. And um, I I think this rivalry is going to be owned by Indiana this year.
0: I mean, I think you're definitely right in, in the sense that when you struggle to score for spurts, it's that's a problem, obviously. Um, however, when you look at some of these last couple games that both of these teams have played, neither team has really confidently gotten to 70. You know, if you look at Indiana's last couple results, uh they got 65, 71, 62, 62, and 66, whereas Purdue got 82, 54, 58, 87, and 74. So I think in this game, I think it's a sprint to 70. And and honestly, the first team to get there, I think, probably has the best chance of winning, even if they get there, mind you that. Um, I, I think both teams have just kind of struggled to score as of late, and I think that that's probably got something to do with what we kind of mentioned earlier in um, it's late. I mean, it's late February at this point. These guys are really, really tired. Um, You know, we mentioned that when your legs get tired, the first thing that goes is scoring and points Um, going up. Uh, on the scoreboard, so I think it's going to be a mad dash to get to seventy. And I think the first team to get their wins, um, and, and since Purdue is at home, I think that that crowd's going to be uh, behind them enough to to give those boys some confidence shooting and, and to to help them get the W on Saturday.
1: I like that take. If I if I could switch, but I'm not going to switch. I'm almost sticking to my word. But if I could switch, I would because that's that's a you make good points there. I like I like your argument there. So. Uh, I'm sticking, I'm sticking with my original pick, but my heart's with you, Trotter. I'll be honest.
0: He's a man of class. He sticks with his pick. Um, That game is on Fox at seven 30 on Saturday night. Once again, that is on Fox at seven 30 on Saturday night. So you get a little break in between the games we picked gives you an opportunity to go out and enjoy the weather. Um, I know I won't even be able to watch this game because I'll be in Charlotte watching Charlotte FC play. Um, But You should definitely tune in and watch it. I will be catching highlights and maybe even watch some retape of it on Sunday. I am really excited to see how these two teams go down the stretch. Like we mentioned, all these teams are really coming down to the end of their regular seasons. And the regular season has a lot to dictate going into conference play and um, the national tournament as well. We're going to get into another rematch. That's right. You heard it here. Another one, number 15, St. Mary's is on the road at number 12, Gonzaga. The first thing that sticks out to me, okay, completely honest, first thing that sticks out to me, I'm still really surprised that both of these teams are ranked as high as they are. And I know you look at the record, St. Mary's is 24 and five, and Gonzaga is 23 and five, and you go, well, why? I mean, they're really good basketball teams, but they just play in such a lesser conference, and both teams had that loss to Lincoln Memorial that. I'm just kind of surprised they're ranked as high. That's just kind of a completely a side note that does not matter for this game, but just kind of a, a, of a thought. Um, Another crazy thought is uh, tickets for this game are as low as $813 right now. Um, That is ridiculous. Um, I'm sorry to any Gonzaga and St. Mary's fan that's out there listening. Um, That's not, it's not worth it. Okay. Don't go spend $813. Um, when ESPN will have the game on at, at 10 p.m. Eastern time, um, seven o'clock local time. So, um, regardless of those two facts, we we like to give you all the facts here at Next Gen Athletics. Um, so, if you were thinking about going to the Gonzaga game, just don't. Your bank account will thank you later.
1: Um, for sure. And I, I that that that's an insane number. Um, I she could not catch me going to a WCC game. Um, no. Anyway, I, I feel like this year I have a weird read on this conference, and I'm worried that that, that, that streak might end on this game. Um, I picked St. Mary's to beat Gonzaga the first time. I I told you on air that Loyola Maramount was going to get that upset over St. Mary's. Um, so I feel like I've had a good read on this conference all year. And, and this game, it feels like a rematch um, where Gonzaga really wants to get that win back just because – uh, they're a game behind right now in the conference standings. Um, I'm, I'm pretty sure both these teams have a good chance of making the, the tournament, regardless of the, how this game turns out. But um, I think Gonzaga would love to get that regular season um, championship. Uh, they get that, get that number one seed going into that tournament. So Gonzaga is definitely going to be fired up, fueled up for this game. Um, and, and, man, I'm just still not sold on Gonzaga. I, I haven't been all all year, really. This This is a team that they aren't as good as they have been in years past. And I'm still just not too confident in their ability to to win games. I'll be honest with you.
0: Yeah, I got to agree. And I think something that's worth mentioning, I just looked at this. This is the last regular season game for both of these teams. Both teams play tonight. They play pretty lesser opponents. Uh, St. Mary's plays Pacific and Gonzaga plays San Diego. So, you know, both I think they'll feel pretty comfortable that they can get past those. So this was probably going to be for that number one overall seed going into the Western Conference Championships. So uh, there's going to be a lot behind this game. And, you know, I got to agree. I'm not sold on Gonzaga. I'm never sold on Gonzaga, to be really honest with you. I- I'm a Gonzaga hater. I'm not really sure why. I just – I'm not a very big Gonzaga guy. Um, and I just think they have a – I think probably the reason I'm I'm really such a – um I'm not hatering Gonzaga. That doesn't sound right. But I just don't believe in them as much as other people do, is that they just play such an easy schedule that whenever I feel like they come up against big-time opponents like this, they normally crumble, especially later in the year. You know, they do have that kind of track record of winning some big games in November and December, but November and December doesn't matter. Um, So I think that I got to agree. However, it's at Gonzaga. And I'm a huge believer in home court advantage. I think I'm going to go with Gonzaga in this game because it's at home. And since it's at home, a lot of these guys, like we mentioned, are some pretty veteran guys in Gonzaga. So a lot of these guys, this is going to be their last time to suit up in a Gonzaga uniform on Gonzaga's home court. And I think that that is going to be influential enough to get those boys fired up, to get them playing well, get them playing well early and to be able to hold on to a lead and going down the stretch.
1: Yeah, that, that take is a very good one. Um, Gonzaga is historically very good at home. They had a 75 game home winning streak until Loyola Marymount went in there and broke that streak this year. So they had gone years without losing at home. Um, it kind of reminds me of Clemson senior class this year, uh, had never lost a game at home until, until South Carolina came in and, and upset us. So um those guys definitely had to be hurting. Um, I know it hurt for a lot of Clemson fans here when that happened. And so that loss at home for a lot of those guys who I would doubt that any of them have ever lost at home, maybe drew Timmy because he's been there for 106 years, but outside of that, most of those guys have never seen a home loss. So they lost that one at home and that streak meant a lot. Um, but that streak's not as long any, anymore that they've only won a few at home since then. And I'm, I'm like, you. I'm not sold on this Gonzaga team. Um, They hadn't really proven much recently. Um, They did get their revenge on Loyola Marymount. They destroyed them the second time around. But it it was too late for me. I'm not confident in this team. It's weird picking against Gonzaga. But I I think here's the thing. If they win this game, they'll be tied record-wise with Marymount, or with St. Mary's, sorry. They'll be be tied record-wise with St. Mary's in conference. So it'll come down to a tiebreaker, which I assume would go down to point differential. That's usually what it goes down to. In the first time, St. Mary's beat them by eight. So Gonzaga's looking for a nine-point win here. I think they're too focused on that mark. I think they're too focused on the points and not focused on actually getting the win. And so I think they go into this game with the wrong mindset of how much can we win by and not can we win. And so I think St. Mary's goes to Gonzaga, hands in their second loss in like 100 games or something like that. Like They, they don't lose at home very often. But I, I I feel weird taking the team going into Gonzaga to play but I am going to take St. Mary's. Um, I'm not sold on Gonzaga. I'm not really sold on St. Mary's either. Um, I, I do like St. Mary's more than Gonzaga this year, but I think St. Mary's gets the best of them in this game um, in a in a close one. And um, I think they prove that they're the dominant regular season team in the WCC.
0: A solid pick, and for good reasons at that. Um, but also let it be known that we picked different teams all across the board for the first time. So there will be no next-gen curse this weekend, um, you are welcome, fans of the teams we picked. I know you guys are probably stressing out, all 10 of you that listen. Um, so <laughs> I, I really, <laughs> um, I mean, listen, any team coming out of the Western Conference, I'm not sold on. It, it's like teams that that are, you know, that kind of undefeated um, group of six team in college football. Most of the time, those teams go and play in a New Year's Six Bowl and get thrashed by second and third stringers. You know, you, you, every now and again, you get a team like Tulane, which credit to them, go green wave, got, got the win over USC this year. But I, I think that, you know, that's why I'm always so kind of hesitant on picking games like this, just because I just think that they're not experienced enough, like they should be going down the stretch. And I mean, watch, it's going to be St. Mary's and Gonzaga in the national championship game, just because we keep harping on it. But, um, I do think that that's worth noting. You know, we're, we're both sitting here saying we're not sold on them. And I think it would be hard for me to be sold on a team even if they're undefeated unless they're averaging, like, way more than anybody else as far as points total and points allowed. I, I think it is interesting when you look at this game defensively, St. Mary's is a much better defensive team than Gonzaga. They allow um roughly 58 points a game to Gonzaga's 74 I think that that's going to be an interesting mark to watch as this game develops and to see, you know, like you mentioned, I, I would assume you're you're correct in that it would come down to, to that points considering both teams' other loss if Gonzaga were to win would be to LMU. So I'm sure that that's got something to do with it. An LMU team, which by the way, is not very good. Um, they're eight and seven at conference. So I, I, I'm interested to see exactly kind of how LMU beat both of the Two best teams in their conference without beating everybody else, um, but that's a different story for a different day. Um, but I, I do think this is going to be a really, really interesting game. Um, however, I, I just I feel confident in the fact that Gonzaga is at home, and and when Gonzaga is at home, they're they're just a really, really, really good basketball team.
1: Yeah, and I'll say this: I I could very well be wrong about this game, but to to everybody that's looking ahead to March, Gonzaga is not a team you should be riding with. Um, I, I look back at their their schedule. Um, Their best wins are against Kentucky and Alabama. The Alabama game, definitely a good one. Um, that, that was one they won 100 to 90, didn't play much defense in that one, and, and just got the best of Alabama in that one, um, which was a good win. The Kentucky win is their other ranked win this year. And as we saw, Kentucky was not the Kentucky we thought they were going to be. So this Gonzaga team is two and four against ranked opponents going into this game. And they just haven't been that good against good teams that they've they've dominated in games that they should they're Gonzaga they should run the WCC and for the most part they have and so I think going forward if you if you see them matched up against any team that has any real schedule any any decency to them I think Gonzaga is not going to make a deep run this year they, they're a team that I could definitely see being a first round bounce and the more I say this the more likely they will go to the national championship um but really and truly this team has not had a good season. And this is a game where I think most conferences, um, if it wasn't Gonzaga, uh, they wouldn't be ranked. If they didn't have the name brand, the name value, they wouldn't be ranked in this situation. 23-5 and for most um, mid-majors is not a good season. or It's it's a good season, sorry. It's not a good enough record to be ranked. And so Gonzaga is being overrated continuously. They should not be the, the number 12 in the country right now. They shouldn't be that high. And I think this is a game where even if they win this one, don't look for them to make any noise down the stretch.
0: Yep, next-gen curse is definitely going to get you on that one. Um, <laughs> I, I can't disagree with you. We're going to have a really, really interesting interview coming up um, that you guys definitely going to want to stay tuned. We're going to talk about teams like Gonzaga. Um, but just to kind of wrap up some of the games that we have talked about, um, this game is on ESPN at 10 p.m. So once again, those West Coast games will get you – um, That will be 7 o'clock local time tip, but that is on ESPN at 10 p.m. We've got a really um good couple games that we picked this weekend. Thomas and I will be breaking all of this down for you guys on Monday. Uh, we will be recording that podcast Sunday night, um, and that podcast will come out Monday morning. So be on the lookout for that. Like we mentioned, there's just so much we can talk about, so much we need to talk about, just even outside of basketball. I feel bad we haven't really gotten to talk about any other sports in the past couple episodes, just because college basketball is just um, reigning supreme. I think it's also worth mentioning that women's basketball is finishing up their regular seasons in the next couple days, give or take, depending on the conference. Uh, those, those uh, different conferences will be getting into their um, tournaments leading into the the national tournament coming up in just a few weeks. So be on the lookout for that. We're going to try, on Sunday to give you guys kind of a heads up going into some of those women's tournaments and, and who's going to be where, who's going to be playing, who, when are they going to play? Um, so hopefully that stuff will be announced um, by the time we're, we're uh, recording next on, on Sunday. So be on the lookout for that. However, that is going to do it for this segment of the show today, guys. Um, as always, we are on Twitter at next underscore gen underscore a T H. Once again, that is on Twitter at next underscore gen underscore a t h we are also on instagram at next underscore gen underscore athletics as well so make sure you give us a follow there and thomas is so excited to announce that we are finally on facebook
1: yeah we are on facebook um, right now it's just the tigers and the next gen athletics you can find us we're a page um, facebook's not the easiest app to run for for us young folks Uh, the older generation loves it though. So we're trying to branch out and get some, some more fans, some more uh, listeners, a bigger community. So if you're on Facebook and you want to support us, you can find us at next gen athletics, all spaces, uh, next gen athletics. It's a page, not a group. We will have a group soon, but right now it's just a page. And then you can also find us at next gen tigers. If you want to support us over there, Uh, we're trying to do some big things over there too. So definitely if you use Facebook, if it's it's one of your go-tos for social media, uh, look for us there, and, and we're, we're happy to get a community built over there, too.
0: Absolutely. We are always looking to give you guys um, the absolute best content we can give you guys. And, you know, we, we've we been preaching uh, more listener um, interaction. So hopefully when we get these groups out um, and, and go in here in the next couple weeks, we could um, have a little better interaction from our listeners. We want to hear from you guys. We want to know what you guys like, what you don't like, what you want us to talk about, what you don't want us to talk about. Um, because you know, ultimately, at the end of the day, Thomas and I are here to give you guys the best experience, to give you guys um, the absolute most bang for your buck, even though you're not paying us, which is fine. It's whatever, I guess. Um, if you would like to, let us know. We would be more than willing to set something up. <laughs> um, however, we don't require it. We're not like that. Um, I, I know, Thomas, you you probably feel the same way that we're not doing this for the money. Uh, we're doing this to to just have fun and fun we are having. Like I mentioned, we have a really, really exciting interview coming up with some of the guys over at the Road to Madness podcast. Uh, This will be an interview where we just dive into everything college basketball, what you guys can expect for the end of the college basketball season. So we are really, really excited about that. And make sure you stay tuned and give that a listen. As always, I'm your host, Trotter Scares, and Thomas Woods is my wonderful co-host. Have a wonderful week, and we will talk to you guys on Monday. Like I mentioned, guys, we have an unbelievable interview today with Matt Giglio of uh, the Madness podcast. Matt, introduce yourself to our listeners, man.
2: Yeah, thanks for having me on once again. Uh, for those who did not know, uh, my name is Matt Giglio. podcast is The Road to Madness, uh, big college basketball podcast covering it from pretty much all season, but most specifically November until March Madness, obviously. Very excited to be on here, though, and uh, share some sense as college basketball March Madness tournament is coming up soon.
0: Matt, I heard a rumor that you know anything and everything there is about college basketball. How how true is that?
2: Uh, I wouldn't say it's completely true. I'd say (laughs) I have a very good sense of college basketball like the back of my hand. But uh, as anyone is, nothing can be perfect. But I like to say I have a very good sense of uh, the world and sense. Well,
0: it's better than me. I'll give you that. (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, Matt. In in such kind of a a crazy year as it's been in college basketball, it seems like almost any time we get a new number one, they lose. So who can we kind of expect to be real contenders in the tournament? It's a very good question.
2: Uh, As you said, the the number one seed has lost eight times this year so far, which is a uh, record so far uh, this year. So it's been a crazy year, as you can see. But, I mean, I really do think that it really rounds down to five teams that can be that legit contender for the top spot. You got Houston, who's there right now. I still think Alabama's a very good team. I know that there's some stuff going on off the court, which we won't address on here due to legal reasons, but uh, they still look really good regardless. They got Kansas. Kansas is in the best conference so far this year, the Big 12. I think that they're legit. I still think Purdue's there. I know that the Big 10's on a little bit of a down year per se, but I still think Purdue's a very good team. And you got UCLA, the powerhouse of the Pac-12. I think those are the key five teams to watch out for. And uh, right now those are the top five teams in the poll, but there's a lot of other teams competing. So I would not be surprised
0: if another team split up there as well. So I think it's interesting that you picked kind of different conferences for, for each team. You know, you mentioned the big 12 has been that power conference and we've said it time and time again on this podcast, we end up covering more big 12 games than we do anything else just because they're the best, you know, from that conference, they've got so many good teams do you think that that maybe because of how many good games they have to play week in, week out, do you think that those teams are going to be better suited for a deep run in March? I
2: would definitely say so. I mean, looking at the poll right now, I believe there's six teams in the Big 12 that are in it. You got Kansas number three, Texas number eight, Baylor number nine, who else you got in here? Kansas State 14, uh, Iowa State 23, and TCU 24. So that does make it six. And uh, yeah, the big 12 all in all is a bloodbath and uh, they have a chance to get, I think it's eight bids into the, uh, right now they have projected eight teams to make the tournament according to uh, ESPN and that'd be insane because uh, there's only 10 teams in the big 12, so that'd be eight out of 10, 80% is uh, phenomenal. And uh, every single big 12 game uh, that you probably covered has been amazing. I mean, I know there's some blouts here and there, but usually every single big 12 game is phenomenal. And uh, those are the games to watch out for. So, uh, yeah, I love the Big 12. Personally, I'm a big Texas guy. Uh, hook those horns. Shout out to them. But, uh, yeah, the Big 12 is a tough brace. Uh, I got to say that. Absolutely. So, do, do
1: you think – well, do you think then that some of these teams are going to be hurt by that come, you know, March, whenever they've been playing all these tough teams all year? Are they going to be a little bit fatigued, gassed down the stretch?
2: In a sense. I mean, I think the NCAA does a good job kind of breaking off a little bit of a gap between the college basketball – conference tournaments and the March Madness tournament so I could definitely see them being fatigued and I think it's definitely going to be a different adjustment going against the team not in the Big 12 because I mean you might not be ready for it and they might punch it in the gut and uh I wouldn't expect that for a Big 12 team but uh I could definitely see them being somewhat fatigued I mean like Texas for example I know that they have a tough gauntlet of three games before the conference tournament I'll pull it up right now I believe they're playing uh yeah baylor tcu and kansas as their last three games uh that's a gauntlet and uh they could definitely wear them out i definitely agree but i think there's enough time in between uh those tournaments uh that they should be all right but i mean that's definitely something to factor definitely agree with you
0: so matt you know we've talked about some teams that could be real contenders who are some teams that you think are just way overrated right now in the polls yeah um Obviously, the big one, they're not even in the poll anymore.
2: Uh, It's got to be UNC, uh, the most disappointing team so far this year. Uh, Preseason number one, not ranked, might be the uh, first ever number one team to miss March Madness. At this rate, I don't think they're going to make it. Uh, But, I mean, they still have a couple games left to prove themselves and the ACC tournament. So I think that they're definitely a team to monitor. Um, I mean, there's a lot of teams that are, I think, a little bit overrated per se, Um, You got a team like Kentucky. I still think that they're a little overrated. Uh, They should make the tournament. Uh, Don't get me wrong, but I think they're a little overrated. Uh, Like last year, if you remember, uh, St. Peter's beat them in the first round. Uh, They were overrated then as well. Um, And then you got to look at, I mean, there's a lot of other teams you could go with. Personally, I think the Big Ten in all is a little bit overrated per se, outside of Purdue. Um, It seems like the Big Ten, no matter who's the home team, the home team wins. As we saw a couple of days ago. Uh, Michigan State took down Indiana, um, and I could say the same thing about pretty much every other single Big Ten game that has been going on this year. So I'd say the Big Ten is a conference to look at as terms of overrated teams. And then uh, I personally don't like Gonzaga. Um, I, don't, I wouldn't say they're overrated, but uh, I don't like them. Uh, so that brings me a bias towards picking against them. Uh, but, I mean, their conference is a little bit better this year, so I'll give them that benefit of the doubt. But last year, I would say that they were very overrated. And if you pick them far, uh, I wouldn't advise doing so because I I think they're going to fall probably sweet 16 range if I had to say so, but I'm very anti-Gonzaga if you you can't tell already.
1: It's funny. Um, not too long ago, me and Trotter were recording the previous segment of this. And I went on the same tangent about Gonzaga being not as good as they're made out to be. I love it. I love
2: it. I love that. Yeah. I I personally don't like them. I mean, St. Mary's, uh, gives them a little bit of a uh, boost in terms of their conference, but, uh, I just did not like Gonzaga. If they're in a different conference, uh, if they're in the Pac-12 per se, I give them a lot more respect. But they're they're in a cakewalk conference every single year, and it really it just really bugs me. But
0: yeah. So you know we, we've we've given some some time to think about the overrated teams. What are some underrated teams that that you think could make some noise in the tournament? How how underrated do you want me to go? Like Cinderella underrated. Well, let's stick with just kind of like maybe like your mid seeds right now. We'll get into Cinderella here in a minute. Sounds good. Um, Yeah, I mean, looking at
2: the actual projections right now, I think there's a lot of underrated teams per se. Um, I'd look at the SEC personally as underrated teams. Uh, I know I talked about Kentucky being overrated. I still think they are. But looking at a team like Texas A&M, I think that Texas A&M is on the perfect hot streak right now. And I think they're going to get – Uh, continue that as they go towards March. Um, So I really do like them as an underrated big five team. Um, And then you got a lot of other teams in here that are looking pretty solid. I mean, I think, I think a couple of these teams can make a run. Uh, I look at a team like Boise state, looking at that West coast conference. I think Boise state's a very good team. And I think that West coast, uh, not West coast conference, sorry, mountain West conference. Uh, I really do think that mountain West is looking really good this year in terms of underrated teams. Not a lot of people expected the Mountain West to have three bids. They might get one more in there as well, but uh, Mountain West teams are looking very good. Uh, San Diego State, Boise State, and depending on who else gets in there, Utah State or Nevada might get in there as well. I really do think that that conference, Mountain West, is a very underrated and underlooked conference, and I think those teams can make some noise. And uh, not too long ago, actually, Nevada and Utah State made a little bit of a good run themselves. Uh, a couple of years back, I don't remember the exact year, but uh, that conference always seems to find some success within the March Mass tournament. So I definitely watch out for that conference and those uh, those Mountain West teams.
0: So, you know, we kind of toyed with the idea of a Cinderella run. You've got teams like Oral Roberts, I know, is having a really, really good year. You know, what are some other teams maybe out there that, that are some pretty small mid-majors that could potentially go on on a, on a Cinderella run? Yeah, man, I would not be surprised if Oral Roberts
2: did it again. Uh, they're looking really good right now. Very scary, and uh, if I, I, honestly, I, I hope that they do the same stuff that they did a couple of years ago. That'd be just phenomenal uh, for that school doing that once again. Uh, right now, they're an 11 seed, which is pretty high for them. Uh, so I'm very surprised by that. But uh, looking at other schools, I honestly think there's a lot more Cinderella teams this year than there were last year. Um, you got a team like Colgate. Uh, I don't know if you remember, but last year they played Wisconsin in the first round. They almost beat them. Uh, Wisconsin was a three seed last year. Colgate was a 14 seed last year. And Colgate held them very close. I think Colgate could do so once again uh, this year. Um, you got a team like Iona. I think Iona is very underrated at the moment. Uh, they have a very good coach, Rick Pitino. Um, and I think that they're a well-coached team. I know they're missing some of their key players, but I think they can make a good stretch down the uh, good run down the stretch of things. Uh, Then you got another team that I like here, Eastern Washington. Um, This team also made March Madness a couple of years ago. They played Kansas in the first round. Uh, They also held their own as a 14 seed. Right now, they're projected to be a 14 seed as well. They're undefeated in their conference, and uh, they have a pretty good non-conference schedule as well earlier this year. So uh, there's a lot of Cinderella teams I could go down the list on, but um, I do think that this could be a year for two potential Cinderella teams. Uh, where that might come from, I don't know. But uh, I think there's a lot of good options to go here for some big upsets this year.
1: So uh, I personally have a little bit of bias towards the CAA. And mm-hmm. um, right now they're kind of in a two-team race with Hofstra and Charleston. And uh, I'm just I'm just wondering what your thoughts are on those two teams specifically and if either of them have the potential to go on a, on a deep run this year.
2: Yeah. Uh, if this was a month ago, I'd say Charleston had a very good chance. Uh, they started off the season so hot. Uh, obviously ranked earlier this year. And then once they got to conference play, uh, they did slow it up a little bit and Hofstra kind of set back into their stride. Um, but yeah, I, I honestly do like the CAA a lot as well. Uh, Hofstra currently on a 10-game win streak and uh, Aaron Estrada is their guy. Uh, he's an absolute bucket. Uh, I've, I've watched a couple of Hofstra games myself and uh, he does it all for this team. Uh, so I, I do like Hofstra. If they do come out of here to make a decent run, they could definitely be a Cinderella team as well. And Charleston, we'll see. We'll see. Right now, they're the first four team out. I would honestly love to see both those teams get in. Uh, Is that realistic? Probably not, just because of the conference schedule and strength. It's not as good as some of the other mid-major conferences. But um, if one of those teams gets in, which it should, unless something dramatic happens um, in that conference tournament, uh, I could honestly see one of those two teams making a good run as well, stealing a game from a, a top seed. I don't think they'll get too, too far. I think round 32 is probably going to be their exit round, but uh, they'll probably line up as a uh, 13, 14 seed, I'd assume, and uh, they can definitely steal a game from a high seed in the tournament, definitely, for sure.
0: So I think it's interesting that so far we've talked about all these different conferences, but the one conference we really haven't given much love to is the ACC, a conference that historically is the premier basketball conference. Why do you think teams in the ACC – especially in the last couple of years, have really just kind of struggled um, throughout the regular season, especially in the postseason in March? Very good question. And uh, I wonder this to myself. Obviously, the ACC, not as uh,
2: strong as it has been. And I wouldn't credit that to necessarily just Duke and UNC, because obviously both those two teams, not where we expect them to be coming into this year. Uh, both like sixth and seventh, I think, in the ACC right now. Um, uh, but yeah, I mean, I'm not, the, I, I honestly can't give a good reason why I honestly just think the ACC as a whole just got stronger. And, uh, I feel like in usual years in the ACC, you got like three powerhouses and then you get the rest of the conference, just kind of playing itself out. Whereas this year, I feel like there's a lot of strong teams where a team can beat another team on any given night in the ACC. And we'll look, we'll take that yesterday, for example, actually, um, uh, for those of you, I don't know if you know, but, uh, Virginia, I uh, went to BC yesterday and played BC, BC notoriously not that good of a school. Uh, they're currently four and 15 on the year and Virginia is number six in the nation per se. And BC won this game uh, pretty convincingly. And that definitely shocked a lot of people that hurts Virginia and uh, they're going to move down the polls come Monday, but it's just games like that, man. Uh, I feel like any team could beat any other team on any given day. Uh, I go to Clemson and uh, last Saturday, actually, uh, we played Louisville on the road, and uh, we ended up losing. And uh, it just shows, like, any team can win. I know Louisville is not very good per se. They have four wins on the year, and, of course, one of them had to come against us, Clemson Tigers. But um, it just shows the ACC is not very strong because it's just so well-balanced more, I'd say. I mean, they'll still get – I'd say they'll probably still get hmm, maybe four or five teams in. But uh, that's definitely not ACC-like. Uh, I think they usually – I'd say they probably get six or seven usually year in and year out, uh, at least before COVID. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I couldn't give you a good answer on that, but uh, it's definitely a lot more well-rounded if I had to give an answer on that.
1: So, I mean, obviously you said you go to Clemson. I'm also a Clemson student. Yep. I'm just curious what do you think the ceiling is for, for the Tigers. Yeah,
2: it's tough. I mean, I want them to make it very bad and – uh they had a good good one yesterday against Syracuse, which definitely helps. Uh, and I think if they want to make the tournament, they got a shot. Uh, they do play NC State and Virginia, both on the road. If they win both those games, they got a good chance to make it. And then they need a little bit of help. Um, not obviously in the actual bracketology itself and in the ACC Commerce Tournament. So I, I give them, I, I, I'm not going to give a percentage, but I think they still have a very good chance to make it. Um, and obviously I'm pulling for them. That's my team. And I know you're probably pulling for them too. I I hope if you're not, then yeah, yeah, we're going to have a different talk after this. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, I do think that uh, they got a good chance still. And I know that the loss against Louisville really hurts and they have a couple of bad losses on the year earlier this year as well. But um, I still think they got a good shot. So I'm, I'm rooting for them and I hope they can pull through, but uh, they're going to need a little bit of work in order to be able to qu- clinch a
0: marshmallow spot. So Matt, you know, I, I'm a big Virginia Tech guy born oh, in, really? in Virginia. I am. I am. Yeah, fun fact. It this year, sorry. It's all right. That's all right. That leads me into my next question for yeah. you. The NIT historically is a, is a pretty slept on tournament in my house. We call it not in the tournament tournament. Yeah. Um, give give our, our listeners a reason why they should watch the NIT. And, and you know who could they potentially see win the NIT or, or really cause some noise?
2: Yeah, uh, this year, the NIT should be very good. Uh, I think it's going to be a lot of good teams in the field. And uh, I think if if UNC doesn't make it, they're going to be in the NIT, I assume. And uh, there's a couple of big-name schools that you probably wouldn't expect to be in the NIT are going to be there. Uh, I'll give you Oregon, for example, might be in there. Texas Tech could be in there. Penn State could be in there. There's a lot of big-name schools that uh, usually make the tournament, it seems, year in and year out that are going to make it this year. Potentially in the NIT. But uh, the NIT is going to look very strong this year. Um, I think there's a lot of different avenues you could go on who could win this NIT. Uh, if I had to give a preseason favorite to win the NIT, I, I mean, if UNC makes it, I, I assume they should win. Um, but I mean, there's a lot of uh, good teams that are going to be in that tournament. So uh, for those of you that do not know what to do with yourselves when there's no March Madness games, uh, go watch the NIT because uh, it's very good. And there's also a couple other lower tier conferences, uh, tournaments, uh, the CBI is one of them. they still got some very good teams in there as well. And uh, I remember last year is when I actually took the time to watch some of those tournaments. And uh, there's some very good games in there with some teams that you might have heard of, but you might not have heard of at the same time. But uh, NIT should be good this year. Uh, I'm excited for it. Obviously, not as excited for it as March Madness, but uh, NIT should be good. Hopefully, VT can get in there. Uh, I think they got a shot to get in there. But, I mean, we'll see what happens. It's okay. Uh, it's it's just a down year for for the Hokies. Yeah, you had your um, fun. You had your fun last year. They did. They had, did pretty good last year.
0: Had too much fun last year, yeah. for being honest. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> so Matt, we'll we'll kind of wrap up on on this question here. Our our listeners, we try each week to give them kind of a thought going into the tournament as to who maybe they should pick. And we, we give little nuggets of wisdom and knowledge, like, you know, watch for free throw percentage and, and watch for teams that shoot well in, in the clutch moments. If you had to pick a team today to make the national championship game and get a win, who would it be?
2: Yeah, that's tough. Uh, obviously it's, it's hard picking a national champion. It's not, ne- it's never easy by any means. And you can, you can go through the stats. You can go through all this and all that, but at the end of the day, that, that, that does matter to an extent, but at the same time, it, it really doesn't. Um, and I know, yes, there's definitely a lot of history that goes behind picking a winner. Uh, I just saw a TikTok actually like 30 minutes ago on teams that have a chance to win based on offensive rating, defensive rating, three-point percentage like you talked about. But I think that's definitely very minimal. Um, I mean, not minimal per se, but I think that's definitely something that a lot of people take more into account than they should. Um if I had to pick a winner, it's tough. Um, see, I, I personally would love to see Texas win it all. I think they got a very good schedule, a very good a resume. And uh, depending on what seed line they will be and who that number one seed is, they got a shot. Um, so if I had to pick a team today, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stick with Texas. Might be biased, might not be. But uh, I'm just, I really like their chances this year. They got a very experienced squad. I know that they lost their coach, obviously, but uh, the interns done very well thus far. And they're in the best conference in the nation. And I think that also has a big factor on picking a team to win it all. Uh, I think a team from the Big 12 is a very good option. Kansas, Baylor, even TCU, Kansas State to an extent. But um, yeah, if I had to pick a team, I'd go with Texas. If I had to pick a secondary team, um, I'd probably go with a team like UCLA, probably. Uh, I think the Pac-12 is... Not overlooked, but uh, I don't think people give uh, credit where credit's due in the Pac-12 per se. Uh, they still got some very good teams in there, and I know only two or three might make it this year. But, uh, yeah, if I had to pick two teams, i go Texas and UCLA. You never go with a one seed, I'll tell you that much. i never pick a one seed ever if I pick a uh, winner. So I- I'm going to pick a two line this year, and I'm going to pick Texas or UCLA.
0: There you go. heard it yeah. first here. Texas is going to win the national championship. I hope so. Do you guys have any thoughts on who you got or no? I think it's so tough this year.
1: There's so many teams at the top and not really that one standout team. And so I kind of disagree with you on all, all not picking the one seed. I know, you know, it's not always the one seed to do it, but I feel like it's sometimes the smarter pick just because they've been so good all year. I kind of like Alabama this year. Yeah. Um, I think Alabama or Kansas are kind of the two, two, two teams I lean towards just because um I think when they're hot, Nobody's stopping them. Their offenses are so uh, elite. Whenever they're whenever they're hitting shots, that I think they can beat anybody on any given night as long as they're hitting their shots. So I like those two teams personally.
2: Very fair. Did you see the game yesterday, though? Did you see Bama game I did. yesterday? I did. Uh, that that scares me a little bit. Um, it, I know yeah. South Carolina is not a good team per se, but uh, it scares me a little bit. But um, I think it's good to have those close games now than rather in March. So I, I like both those picks. Kansas going back to back would be huge for their program, but uh we'll see
0: what happens. Yeah, you know, first off, Go Cox. Just want to put it out there. Um, second off, if I had to pick a winner, I'd have to probably go with Kansas. I, I just feel like this is a Kansas team right now that has so many scores across the board. Thomas and I I get on campuses all the time about how they can't all score at the same time, but then we saw um, a game not too long ago against Baylor where they finally put it all together and they scored 55 points in the second half. I think that that is just such a scary offense to play against that if they can kind of keep that momentum going um, through conference tournament play and into, into March and into the real tournament, that, I, that would be my pick and, and my secondary pick. Um, I'd probably agree with you in Texas. I just think Love that it. that offense is, once again, that's just such a prolific scoring offense. It's just so hard to stop. I love it. Yeah.
2: I mean, big 12, you can't go wrong with picking a big 12 team this year, I'll say. Um, and yeah, Bama Bama looks very good as well. But uh, yeah, for Kansas, man, if, if they do go back to back, that's definitely very legendary stuff for Bill Self and his uh, tenure at Kansas. But uh, we'll see what happens. I, I know Kansas looks legit right now. And that Baylor comeback was phenomenal. I mean, I think they were down 13 and a half and then they scored 55 points. Yeah. Kansas is legit. I definitely agree. But uh, I'm very excited for this tournament, man. Uh, I know March is like a week away, but uh, I would just want to come right now and just get this, get, uh, get all this on the road. For sure.
1: Best time of the year, no doubt.
2: I agree. Best month of the year, I agree.
0: Absolutely agree. Matt, we really, really appreciate you coming on the show today. Uh, best of luck to you and, and yours. Where can our listeners find your podcast?
2: Yeah, uh, Instagram, Twitter. Uh, just search up the Road to Mattis podcast. You should find it, hopefully. Um, I know that we follow each other on social media, so we can definitely get that sorted out as well. Uh, but yeah, you guys are doing really good stuff. Uh, definitely looking forward to the rest of your episodes coming up and, uh, hopefully maybe we can do something like this again on uh, our channel, have both you guys on and, uh, we can do something like
0: that as well. Absolutely. I know Thomas and I would love to do uh, more collaborations with you and yours soon. Definitely.
2: Yeah. We can definitely make that happen. Uh,
0: but yeah, thank you guys once again for having me. I really appreciate it. Yeah. Really appreciate you, Matt. Have a great one. You as well.